This is episode 77 of Cool Down Time, a weekly show about gaming's best and bootiest. I'm your technical mess of a host, Pablo, and joining me is my co-host, the graphically impressive Marco. Marco, what's up, man? How have you been this week? Uh, Hurricane free. Uh, That's right. So, yeah, we lucked out. Uh, for those of you listening to the last episode, we, uh, we had a hurricane coming for our necks, but um, we both lucked out. We didn't really lose power or anything. We just had to deal with a long two days of rain and uh, flash flood warnings on our phones for like all night. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> we made it. And so uh, I'll consider that a good thing. So, yeah, just kind of yeah. getting back into the normal routine now that that's uh, literally blown over and uh, just getting back into these games, man. How about you? Yeah, I mean, same. It's like a tale of two different worlds almost because yeah. uh, a little bit west of us completely decimated. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was so bad. We, we lucked out for sure. So, you know, maybe last week's episode had some old information you, you might have thought. And that's yeah. because we had to get ahead of it uh, just in case we had no microphones. It got blown away or something. <laughs> but we're good. Everything is good. In this yeah. episode, we're going to be discussing the most baffling flops in history of gaming. The new sequels of For Witcher and Cyberpunk 2077. Our first impressions of Overwatch 2 and the Mario movie? Mm. A movie? Mm-mm. And the bad news coming from PlayStation. Oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. And much, much more. But before we begin, Marco, uh, go ahead and tell us how they can support us. Well, it's very simple, y'all. If you enjoy Cool Down Time, you give our show a sub. Ain't that hard. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google. Even our official website, we have one of those too, and it's cooldowntime.com. Go figure. Uh, and if you're feeling extra cool, follow us. On, now, wait, wait a minute. I've been asking a lot of y'all to follow us on these social medias for a while. Some of y'all ain't listening, all right? So I'm going to have to get a little me. I'm going to have to go bad cop here, all right? Very easy. It's cooldown time. You go on your Twitter, all right? Your burner account, whatever your main account, the one that you go on to look at dirty pictures, whatever you use. You follow us, all right? Instagram, stop looking at the thoughts and get with your boys at Cool Down Time. We're not as pretty, but you know, I mean, just we, we need followers, guys. We're, we're, we're a newish show and we could use your support. So keep us in your FOV in between episodes. It's Cool Down Time. It's just like it's morphing time, but it's, but it's Cool Down Time. That's it. That's all mm, you got to do. Don't like that at all. I quit this show. No, no. Well, okay. you, don't tell me you got a problem with Power Rangers. No. I don't have a problem. Okay. Uh, it's just that that word morphin, unfortunately, has uh, kind of got conflated with Morbin Time, which is that Morbius trash movie that came out. Anyway. Oh, just, I didn't watch that. I have standards. Yeah, nobody. Nobody, nobody, nobody did. Everybody <laughs> lobbied for that movie to come back to the movie theater. They came back and it failed twice Oof. in the theaters. Embarrassing. I don't like that. Well, look, I, I, don't, I don't like that dude. What's his name? Um, uh, Jared Leto. Yeah, I don't know. He's he seems like he's like to Cold me. He's like vibe? he reminds me. He gives me Troy Baker vibes. He's like the uh, kind of little douchey, pretentious. Like you know, oh he man. gets into his acting a little too much, but it just kind of doesn't work anyway. Kind of thing. I don't know. I've never been a fan of his, but uh, oh man, know, that's, that's just me. We're we're a we're a, a brand new podcast uh, trying to infiltrate the video game industry, and the first thing that we do is go after Troy <laughs> Baker. <laughs> 
No, but yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I, basically, is he looks like a guy who likes the sound of his own voice. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Troy Baker got a nice voice. I, I will say that. Maybe if I had Troy Baker's voice, I would like always want to talk myself, you know? Yeah. You kind of still Maybe. do anyway, though, but it's fine. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, I don't even hear myself. Okay, if you guys hear the <laughs> shit I say, I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway, <laughs> let's jump into the show the way we always do, starting off with our loadouts. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, Marco. We got a we got a few things here. We got some games. We got some trailers. We got trailers of movies, trailers mm-hmm. of games. But let's start off with the video game portion of our loadouts. And guess what? A massive, or we thought should have been a massive release of a game came out this week. And that is our beloved Overwatch getting its sequel finally come out officially with Overwatch 2. And let me tell you about this game. It is, oh, wait. I can't play it. <laughs> I have <laughs> no. I, I we managed to get a few rounds in. How do you want to go about this? You want to talk about the game itself and then talk um, about the, the the blunders, or you just want to go off? I'll let you go off. Go ahead. I think we got to get the elephant out of the room first, uh, and and just so as of this recording, um, we are still all collectively in in queue. <laughs> right, <laughs> the sun will rise, the sun will set, and you will still be in queue to get an Overwatch too. Um, listen, this is yet another over Overwatch, you know, fumble among many others that we've seen and heard about since this game was officially announced. It's, it's yet another botch launch, uh, for the, for the history of competitive multiplayer games. It's yet another botch launch for Activision Blizzard, much like Diablo Immortals and that kind of thing. Um, it began with, you know, the slow and troubled development and then Jeff Kaplan, the lead, departing the studio completely. And, um, and then, you know, you get to the present day and you have an inexcusable lack of preparation, in my opinion, based on security measures and server load. You have egregious phone walling tactics that basically has blocked for at least a certain point in time uh, prepaid phone users uh, or people that just come from um, low-income households that can't afford a, a, like a, a full-blown plan. And now you have this unprecedented issue of a game asking for your phone number for the first time, I think, ever, um, which is totally unacceptable. And I don't really care what the reasons were for that in terms of like, oh, you know, to protect you and blah, blah, blah. I don't... We're in the hacker era. So the less they can find about me in some big leak, the better. Um then you have the ongoing Battle.net account issues that have affected um, carryover from your skins and cosmetics and stuff from Overwatch 1. Um, so, I mean, it's just been a, a comedy of errors. I mean, it, it I, I don't know how frustrated you are, Pablo. I mean, I know the wait to get into the game is is one thing, but before we talk about the game, you know, where do you stand on this on this yeah. debacle? Is it a debacle in your opinion? Yeah, it's it's massive. You know, I you know I, the thing is that I had a weird kind of introduction to Overwatch Two on uh, Tuesday because I got out of work early and managed to uh, sign in and managed to get in right. Uh, but as soon as I got in, things happened. I wasn't able to actually play a match or even go through the menus. Uh-oh. You know, I'm a new father. Things like that, that happened. So, lo and behold, two hours later, try to get back in. Hours go by, <laughs> and then I go in, and I'm unable to actually play the game, which is 
absolutely unacceptable. I mean, that's oh, kind yeah. of the reason it exists. But then on top of that, I don't have my characters or my unlocks or my skins. None of that. And I have to – by the way, we'll get into that later. But I – it's about the battle pass and unlocking characters. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that. Which is absolutely yeah. lame. But um, I um, – I don't have my characters. I don't have my skins. And that's upsetting because I spent countless hours. Mar- uh, Marco and I have spent uh, countless hours on this game. And dollars. And so I want my countless shit. Countless dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Count- oh, my God. Countless dollars. I mean, I, I wouldn't even want – if somebody – hey, I have your uh, your receipt here for – I don't even want to nope. see it because I, I – there's no way I want to – you know, Loot box I McGee, with that in my bro. Life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying. So I that happens. And look, I, I go online immediately and I find out it's an error. So I'm not – exactly freaky not like i lost everything but i do want to play this game on launch because it is one of it was one of my most highly anticipated games because overwatch had our had me by the groin from 2006 to basically 2018 which is you know a long time to 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 keep people engaged so i you know at first i i i gave them the benefit of the doubt uh with everything happening but the day two come rolls around and day two is even worse like it was taking me 15, 20 minutes to get in the first day. It was taking me an hour, oh, man. 30 minutes to an hour to, to even get in. And on top of that, I'm still experiencing a bug. Maybe it's, a, I don't know what it is, it's a server thing, where I can't access the actual store. Uh, so there's a store, which I can't access. I haven't I, seen and it. it. Yeah, I, I saw it the first few times I signed in, and then I haven't seen it again. And I logged in, and I hmm. I, I, um, I uh, researched, and it said it's a bug with the server. Some servers aren't loading it. It's it's a whole thing. And then on top of that, I have my characters finally did unlock. I still don't have any of my uh, of my um, of my skins. I think from what they're saying is they think that the store and the skin stuff is interconnected. So if you have the store, you'll have the skins because I have the ability to buy skins, except I can't actually buy them. So when I click on them to buy them, I wanted to, it doesn't give you the option to purchase them. So all these things start compiling into this, into this absolute horrible launch. And look, the D the, the DDOS attacks happen. I think they're up to three. Um, you know, um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and have any kind of like tin foil hat theories. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna let it lay. You know, I don't think they would lie about that. Uh, but man, it is. It is a bad, bad look. On top of the fact that Overwatch Two had a terrible uh, development cycle with everything right, happened with right. Blizzard, everything happened like you mentioned with Jeff Kaplan, and then it comes out and it's like Overwatch is one of the bigger multiplayer games to have come out. They should have been prepared. I know it's free to play, and I know there's there was gonna be connectivity issues, but not to this extent because one thing is connectivity issues and one thing is just having issues across the board with your servers the blizzard online the way that that's supposed to kind of all come together it, it i haven't even thought about what i have on my playstation version uh if that's even kind of come together I, i'm not even thinking about that right now because really what i would like to do is play the game right that's kind of what i what, what i want to do um uh, but yeah uh and we did manage to get a few rounds in um, but, um, what, what do you, anything else you want to say about everything that's happening? Well, I'll tell you this much. Um, if it wasn't for staring at that title screen to, uh, for, for as long as I have, I wouldn't know that this was a sequel. And I, yeah. I, I hate saying that because I'm always of the camp that doesn't like that kind of narrative about iterative, iterative sequels. Like we talked about Splatoon three when it came out not too long ago. And there was some of that, like, Oh, it feels like Splatoon 2.5. Like, and I, I hate that kind of, of, of discourse. I think it's, I think it's unhealthy and and it sort of undermines the game. I really have a hard time though, Pablo with 
really feeling like this is a true sequel. Um, it, it, there's a yeah. lot of things that I think the game does on a competitive level when it comes to like 5v5 and breaking down one tank, two attackers, two healers or, or support. I think it that stuff is... It- That stuff is there, almost as quality of life and balancing updates. But what I mean when I say sequel is that the product doesn't feel like a sequel to me. I think that they're like, uh, I think they're stuck uh, between a rock and a hard place with that because they've completely redone a lot of the characters. Uh, Basically, uh, with with when it comes to like moving, right? Um, Before I I main Cassidy. And Cassidy had this stun grenade where you would stun you and stop you in your place. Mm-hmm. A lot of characters who had moves that stop momentum, basically stop motion, have completely uh, been redone to where those things aren't there anymore. And a lot of the tank characters have been completely redone as well. Um, a lot of the healing, except not yours, unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of the healing characters have kind of been um, uh, reworked. So there's a lot of changes, maybe too much to, to call it a big update, I think, because how the game is all about its meta. But I, I agree. The, the, I think that they they dropped the ball in many ways with not doing certain things to make it feel new. Like, when, right. I, when I did it, when I booted up the game, it gave me the same Winston yes. Winston uh, movie from the, the hero 1, the, which is like... The hero selection screen when you're getting into a match. Exact same. Like, there's just little, yeah. little, little ways they can make things feel fresh and not, like, stale out of the gate is what really yeah. bothers me here because it doesn't feel new to me. It feels right. The game, the product as a product, it feels unfinished, stale, and then creatively anemic. Like there's just not enough evolution. There's a lot of balancing, like, like you said, but there's not enough like real evolution. Yeah. And I'm not expecting like, like we said with Splatoon three, like you don't have to tear everything down for the sake of tearing everything down, but yeah. how can you evolve it and make this new game feel like a new game? And I think they yeah, failed like- at that. The gameplay of Splatoon 3 is pretty similar to 2, and the argument about 2.5 with 3, when it comes to gameplay, sure, whatever, it doesn't matter, but the world in which you inhabit, the, the hub world is brand new. Uh, new card game, new, new locker uh, thing. Yeah, there's a, yeah, exactly. There's a new mode completely. These little things that they added to it make it, that's what makes a sequel. Sure, the gameplay is the same, and a lot of the meta, and a lot of the stuff, um, but I also think that that kind of helps, not helps, but that kind of makes you bypass a little bit when you jumping into overwatch 2 and kind of bypassing the learning aspect of, of learning a new game so you know what's going on you know a lot of the maps so sure. that works that works a lot for people like us who are were really into the game before but the issue that this is going to this the reason why i think overwatch 2 is not going to reach the same levels of success that overwatch 1 did is we're kind of tired of it and it's no fault of the game itself it's just We've played a lot of it. We're over it. We're not competitive gamers. We're not major league gamers. Sure. We're not in here practicing, putting in work to get better at the game and at that level. But, you know, they, I almost kind of treat this, uh, we'll start to treat it kind of like Call of Duty, where sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's an iteration. It's the same gameplay over and over since probably two. But, you know, some games we're really into, some we're not. I feel like Overwatch 2 uh, kind of falls into that category where. I don't know if, if the the 5v5, the fact that it's a little faster, the fact that the changes is really going to make me want to play the game more. Uh, but as it stands right now, it's really to say. I yeah. will say, though, I will say the 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 two PC maps, the two-point capture maps are gone. And that's great because that mode sucks. It was because pointless. It's either yeah. you're getting, 
you're getting rammed, rolled, or it's like you're at a you're at a fucking stalemate where nothing happens. Exactly. I hated those. Yeah. Uh, so that's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's I, uh, right now. I think w- we sound very negative on the game because <laughs> well, of everything that's happening with launch. I yeah. think we'll have to give more time to really talk about how we feel about the game. But we did play the uh, quite a bit of the beta, and we also did play um, a little bit of, of the of the official release of the game. And while there are improvements, I, I there's no I'm I don't want to say this definitively, but there's no way that I'm going to be into overwatch to like i was Overwatch. yeah i mean it's just just not happening even it's it's a tale of the small stuff as well it's like okay here i am we're in all right let's see what's new you go in you look at the skins for characters they're all the same you get one you get like one new overwatch 2 version of what they look like and then the rest of the stuff is basically what you've been looking at for the better part of what six, seven years, or however long it's been, like the, the, and the Overwatch, there's two skins nothing are not new. radical different from anybody, right? And so you have these microtransactions you're setting up as a free play, free to play model, and yet you don't even have enough new original skins or cosmetic type of stuff in there to be worthwhile. And I guess in a way that kind of segues into the battle pass stuff, and I know you wanted to kind of dig into that too. So let yeah. me let me tag you back in to talk about that some more. So I, I think we got fair is fair. And I think that we have to, you know, kind of talk about the Battle Pass two ways. One, it's not as scummy or as grindy as one would think. You're Actually, you get through it in a pretty good clip. And if you buy the premium Battle Pass, which, let's face it, if you're playing that, if you're playing the game, you're going to buy that. You get the character unlocked immediately. Right. Uh, so you don't have to actually grind for that character at all. That's more for people who are free to play. And, for playing for free. And look, if you're playing the game free to play, you want to spend zero money. That's kind of the things that you have to do in order to get the cosmetics. That's par for the course. You didn't pay no money to get in there. So you, you still get the character for quote unquote free. It's just that you have to well, actually, you do get the character for free. You just have to grind for 55 levels to do that. So, <laughs> I mean, so, but I, I do think that if you're into the game and, and you're going to buy, buy the pass, buying the battle pass does net you some really cool skins for the new characters and kind of gets you going on in terms of the, the theme of that of that battle pass and it gives you the new character. So I, I, I would have to kind of shout that out as a good move by them because that would suck if you buy the premium um, uh, battle pass and still have to grind to 55 to get a new character. That would have been awful, which is I thought was going to happen because of everything that was being said on the internet. Um, the fact that for new players, and again, this doesn't apply to me, but this is part of the game and I feel like I have to talk about it, is the fact that you have to unlock players by playing matches, this that's that's that sucks because it's you're unlocking the original characters that you played, you know. And if and if you're you're coming into this game brand new and you've never played Overwatch game, for you're coming in at a disadvantage because now you're playing against people who've been playing this game for a long time who have all the characters unlocked and you might not have a great time. Sure. Yeah. Or if you played it once or twice and maybe you're not you don't have an account or but you know you like Diva or you like Genji, you like Konzo. Now that's not available to you because the game is free to play and it's kind of punishing you because you're getting it for free, right? So th- those kind of things are 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 pretty lame, but then it's kind of fighting with the whole fact that it is free to play, so there's that to it. But it, it just it, it it doesn't feel overtly scummy. It just feels like a free to play game, which <laughs> just sucks, you know. Playing um what's that wrestling game Rumbleverse that came out, like going into that and going through all the stuff and it's like eye-rolling in, in, in inducing because it's like, man, all these things look cool, but I have yeah. to spend money or grind to get this shit. It's like, I don't the same do template this. again and again and again. It's yeah. like, ugh. even the battle pass stuff. I mean, like, like you said, it's not offensive, but it's just kind of, 
Yep, that's a battle pass. You know, and it just yeah. it sucks the wind out of my sails a little bit. And then you, when you talked about the the like the hero unlocks for like the the regular heroes, it's it's even worse now that they have these issues with like carrying you know Overwatch one progress over because now it's even more offensive. Like it makes me feel like man, nothing I did all those years in Overwatch carried over, even though it's going to get fixed. Obviously, it just again yeah. for a first impression, awful awful so yeah, yeah. I, I don't have much it's more just, to say about this at all I, yeah. I'm gonna I'll keep it in my rotation kind of on a as desired basis I don't see this being the obsession that it used to be um, yeah you know and not that I not that I would say that it ever had the potential to be like it was in peak early overwatch days for no, us it, it will but, never come back to yeah. that point even if this game was great um, because it's a known commodity now but it certainly doesn't do any favors to be in this right. bad of a shape uh, from the outset. So yeah. I hope they fix the problems. I hope they get past this hump. Um, if I were them, I would have delayed the launch. I would have said, hey, guys, we got some DD, uh, you know, DDoS stuff going on. We'll see you in a week. You know, Instead of making people suffer through this for yeah. the next couple of days, I, I'd rather just waited. I would have just taken it off. I would have just taken it off offline. That's it, what it, I mean. Especially yeah, with that's three, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. DDoS attacks like that. It's like, man. But you know, um, yeah, I agree with you. I am. I am. Maybe because I'm a moron. Still, kind of really, really excited to play it and really dive into it. And I am going to keep it on rotation. I'm going to give it a fair shake. There's nothing wrong being I, stupid. I, I love. Yeah, <laughs> I love Overwatch <laughs> so much. Um, but I, you know. I'm curious to see how long it grabs me, and I'm curious to see what this game does. We've seen games like Halo Infinite come in. Surely it wasn't going to be bad. It was a 100% surefire hit, and then it wasn't. Um, I wonder what Overwatch 2 is going to do. It looks like they have a lot of the plans with the Battle Pass and, and the seasons pretty much set in stone, and they know and they know what they're doing because, like you said, it's a known commodity. So we'll, we'll see how this works out. Um, by, by chance, and I, and I I don't know if, if you got the Battle Pass. I, I don't know. But, okay, no, so you haven't played the new character? No, no. Okay, I, I played a little bit of her, and just to give you an update on her, Marco, she's basically the the support character. If, uh, for example, uh, you're uh, you you like DPS and you have to pick support, she's kind of like that. Like she 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 does a little bit of both worlds. So mm, okay, that's kinda a really hybrid. cool little. Uh, yeah, little okay. hybrid. So that's a really cool character there. But yeah, that's all I got to say about Overwatch. We'll probably talk more about it as as time goes on here, uh, whether or not it's a uh, it's good or bad or, or booty or, juice. We'll give you kind of our official thoughts uh, probably in a couple of weeks once we kind of dug uh, into it and really understand what the game is doing there. Um, so let's go ahead and move uh, on to the next game. I'll go here because I am I'm playing it. That's the next thing. It's another video game that I'm playing. Um, and uh, you know, share accounts. With, with my brother, it's a known thing here. Uh, so sometimes there are games that I'm not planning on buying or playing that have uh, that do appear on my library. Uh, and we, we talked about Valkyrie Elysium a little bit um, when we played the demo. Yeah. And I, I want to say, I, I've been playing, I'm about actually eight, nine hours in, uh, according to the save file. Um, a deeply, deeply flawed game uh, that despite incredible missteps, it's still kind of fun. Like it's the combat system. No surprise there. If you played the demo, you know what you're getting into. Unfortunately, a few hours in, uh, the combat system has evolved a little bit. Just more options, but ultimately the core of the combat system is the same. And I am getting a little fatigued on doing the same stuff over and. That's over what I was afraid of. Over. That's exactly what yeah. I was afraid of. 
Yeah, it's fast paced combo. It's combo heavy kind of combat. So like, it does keep you a little engaged when you if you understand or learn the combat the the combos a little bit. It does keep you a little entertained that way when unlocking stuff. But it it is it is it is just a little bit too uh, repetitive. Um, I will say that in terms of vibe. I don't know if you got this off the demo, but Valkyrie Elysium kind of reminds me of Nier a little bit yeah, in terms of it is a little bit yeah, Nier. So it it feels a lot like that. Um, unfortunately, it, it's nowhere near as good as a Nier game. It's nowhere good as near as the Dark Souls counterpart that it's trying to kind of emulate a little bit with the, the the visuals and and the actual gameplay with the dodge and all that. Um, you know, I think I would say uh, the uh, a jack of all trades, master of none, is a little too kind of of a compliment here because even the stuff that it does doesn't do very well. Um, mm. The story is just an ama- just an amalgamation <laughs> of Nor- <laughs> North uh, Norse mythology yeah. weaved into the script. It is nonsense. Um, right now, I'm having to purify this tree, and it keeps disappearing and going into other places, and it's like tricking you. So it's like, and it just there's it is so going from section to section with the same bosses over and over bland gray environments um it is it is a 60 dollars. it is highway robbery like they are taking you this is a 20 dollar game ladies and gentlemen if that um <laughs> I, I again okay the combat system takes you a long long way because eight hours in all because of the combat um and some of the some of the story stuff is kind of cool some visuals are kind of kind of surprisingly they, they catch you out of nowhere like oh this looks kind of cool but everything else about the game is just so flawed and i feel like they had a really cool idea here and ultimately it's just it, it's it's a game that that has ideas and executes on almost none of them in a way that's baffling because mm. they didn't have to do much to make a lot of this stuff work. Uh, but yeah, uh, unfortunately, gotcha. Valkyrie Elysium is not a game that I will be talking about when it comes to end of year game of the year stuff. But it is a fun game. I mean, if it com- ever goes on to the PlayStation, you know, Plus, or it goes on a heavy deep sale, which I'm assuming it is, nobody's talking about this game. Yeah. Um, I think at twenty dollars, I think it's worth your time. Honestly, okay. at twenty dollars, I don't think it's a complete and utter mess. It is just, unfortunately, uh, uh, a double A game coming from what seems to be a triple A studio, which is weird. But yeah, yeah. Um, that's where I'm at with that. Okay. So let's let's go ahead. You got any any questions about that? Or no, or no, any? that's actually exactly what I thought it was going to be when I played the demo. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, this this screams. Wait for a deep discount or. Just yeah. uh, maybe it'll hit a service that I can play later. So it, you sound you sound about accurate to what I was thinking. So yeah, good to know. Yeah, though. yeah, good to know. Hey, listen, PlayStation loves to talk about its exclusives, and they're not talking anything about this. So mm-hmm. you know, do you know that they're a little embarrassed about it? Um, <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and we're gonna go get away from the actual games and let's go into Dead Space Remake's uh, new trailer that released like about two days ago, as um, of this recording. As of this recording, yep. Marco, I know that you don't your history with Dead Space is you don't have a lot of it, right? No, uh, if right. I'm not mistaken, so I wanna I wanna know what your impressions are because I definitely have my impressions, and I I wonder if they're gonna be different from someone who's played Dead Space one about three different times to somebody who's I don't know if you've ever beat the first Dead Space. No, I never uh, did. So nope. he's not okay. So yeah, uh, go ahead. Tell me what you think about Dead Space uh, remake. Yeah, I mean, um, I think the game looks really good um i'm very pleased with the presentation in the atmosphere um i think they've done a really good job from comparison stuff that i've seen between the 360 version versus this definitely a huge step up so i think that they are really nailing that very nicely um i thought it looked really good i have to be honest i think it actually looked 
and this might be a bit of a you know I think this this battle is going to happen anyway. But I think it's more impressive to me than Callista Protocol. Um, personally, Disagree, but okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I think it's it's a little bit more impressive to me. Um, I uh, I really like some of the extra information that we heard about the game too. Um, there's an intensity director, kind of like um, Left 4 Dead, where you, it'll kind of ramp up and you know retune things based on how you're playing, um, all in one shot, kind of like God of War and and Metal Gear Solid Five, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, this appealing system with like flesh and tendons and bones that break and tear and stuff like that, um, which I think is a really cool detail to really make the encounters and the aftermath of the encounters interesting where it's not just oh i you know i killed a creepy alien but now i can look at the damage i i did and go oh my god you know and it's different every time i think it's gonna be really cool um and i i think that um the the spaceship vibe of the ishimura to me i think is a lot better than what i remember playing from the 360 version ps3 version era uh which to me you know a lot of people loved it but to me it left a little something to be desired uh i think they have kind of nailed what i was hoping they would originally do um so you know i gotta say i'm uh, i'm quite impressed and um, I am definitely uh, looking forward to this one when it drops. So this trailer did a lot for me, actually. But um, how, from yeah. a, a, a seasoned vet of Dead Space, uh, from from that perspective, how is it hitting you? Yeah, I mean, undoubtedly looks better. Lighting, textures, graphical fidelity, all look top notch. Uh, there's actually a video uh, that was on YouTube that showed all the scenes from the game from 360 and from the new trailer and it's and it's you know as you expect it is day and night um it is completely remade from the ground up and one thing that they did that if you're a if you're a fan of 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 a dead space and and dead space and dead space 2 we don't talk about dead space 3 but in dead space 2 isaac uh became voiced by um by gunner Wright, and he was actually a silent protagonist in the first game and they actually brought that over to the first game. Oh. Uh, so they actually recorded voice lines with Gunnar Wright, who, in my mind, when I think about it, I always thought as Isaac as a uh, voice protagonist because Gunnar Wright does such an incredible job with Isaac, and it was, with part two, kind of adds to the to the to the to the vibe of the whole game and how how afraid you are because of the things he's saying, uh, and the fact that they brought that over to the first game. That's awesome. I I love that. Um, what's I, the, what, what's I, the I, lead the, character's name? Isaac. What? Eyes, uh, I don't remember. I thought you said Hayes, uh, <laughs> which is the old. No, no. Okay, I think no, it's uh, Isaac. I don't remember. I, I'll right, say Gunner Wright is the Gunner Wright is the is the uh, is a voice actor. Oh, okay, got it. Okay, I got my yeah, wires crossed. Gunner Wright is, is a voice actor of of of, of Isaac. Uh, but yeah, I, the, Clark. I've there always, we go. Clark. All right, Isaac Clark. Yeah, playing the game um, originally, I always felt like the the spaceship stuff was really cool. I like that vibe, you know, kind of alien esque. Um, yeah. And obviously, with the new graphical uh, power of consoles and, and PC, th- this is just ramped up to 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 hundred. I I hope, I wonder, and I do hope if they, they'll go further and go with two, uh, because mm-hmm. I feel two is the best of the series. Uh, like almost, in my opinion, it's not even close. Uh, but ultimately, I, I really love what I saw. Here's the thing, I. I don't know if I agree with you in that it looks better than Callisto Protocol, though I don't think it looks much worse. I would say it might be on par. But I think because I played Dead Space 1 so much and seeing everything that I saw on that trailer and thinking to myself, oh, maybe I'll just replay it and it'll be new to me. And then seeing the trailer, I'm like, man, I remember 
all this shit. And maybe because of that, and maybe because Callisto Protocol is new, I'm kind of wondering if Callisto Protocol is kind of going to eat its lunch a little bit because it comes out first. Mm. It's very similar I to it. By the time Dead Space Remake comes out, people love the fact that it's Dead Space, but maybe they'll think Callisto Protocol did it better. I don't know. But I'm more excited for, if I had to compare the two, I think I'm more excited for Callisto only because of its newness, you know, because yeah. it is new. If I never played Dead Space before and I saw these side by side, I would probably side with Dead Space. Well, you know what it I is too? De- it's also the movement in Callisto Protocol looks a little clunky to me. The, it looks a little yeah. sluggish. Um, I don't know if it's just the way they demonstrated the gameplay, but it always looked a little slow and it looked like, okay, a little tanky for me. Um, so I'm, I'm worried think- about that. That's my biggest concern. So I do think that that might be on purpose um, with Callisto, which is I'm not a fan of. Um, I think with Dead Space, when the first Dead Space came out, it kind of controlled like that as well. Yeah. Uh, so I, the 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 the, comp, the way that he moved, uh, Isaac moved in the in the remake in the trailer looked a little more fluid for sure. Um, I do have to keep in mind one thing. Um, you know, the Dead Space is being made by Motive, EA, and that's a AAA studio with money behind it. And uh, Callisto Protocol is being made by I forgot the name of the of the studio though uh, though the original creator is on, on there. Right. Uh, I don't think they have the the capital or the money to specifically striking do one distance for one with studios. Them. Yeah, striking distance. Yeah. So I I don't know if this is particularly a triple A. If Callisto is going to be a triple A experience, though, it's being uh, presented that way. Yep. But I know for a fact that Dead Space Remake is definitely that, and yeah. because of, of of the people behind it, though not the most popular, money is money, and that's what kind of makes games go around, right? In terms of development, so I I'm, I'm curious to see how these both um, how these both uh, pan out. If they're both great, that's awesome because I think you know there's room in this genre for more than one Dead Space-like. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that Dead Space didn't pick up and more games kind of followed it almost identically like uh, Callisto is. But uh, we'll see here. Um, I will definitely, I'm looking forward to that and we'll be playing them, you know, uh, in about a month and a half from each other. So that's super exciting. Cool, man. All right. So, yeah. So the next thing we have on here is the Super Mario Bros. movie trailer that we just saw today. Uh, As of this, this recording. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, uh, I, I, I want Marco to go first uh, because I, I, I'm curious. I, he has not told me how he felt about the trailer at all. And I'm curious to see how I feel. So, Marco, why don't you go ahead and tell us how you felt about uh, the Super Mario Bros. movie trailer? Um, so, you know, I, as a lot of other people did, I came into this with a lot of um, concern, skepticism, just uncertainty. I, I didn't know what to expect at all. Um, I think I'm, I'm not quite in the camp that goes, oh, wow, this is amazing. I can't believe this is happening. This is so awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I, I think it was a, I think the trailer was fine. Um, I thought it was uh, cute. It was charming. It was quippy. Uh, it checked those boxes in a way that I thought it would. I think my favorite voice actor is unquestionably Jack Black. I think he oh, yeah. killed it, um, from what we heard, at least. And um, But obviously the elephant in the room is Mario. And I hate to say it, but I, I'm not a fan. I didn't think it was very good, to be honest. Um and I, I think they were very protective of how they wanted to roll that out. They didn't exactly let Mario 
get a lot of bars off in the trailer, right? You just yeah. basically was I, like, where are yeah. we and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think that was by design. I don't think they want to take it, you know, drum up controversy just yet, but I didn't really like it. I didn't think it worked. It just sounds like regular Chris Pratt. It's just regular voiced Chris Pratt to me. I kind of disagree slightly because towards the end when he's talking, he, yeah. does, he, does, he doesn't say let's go. He goes, let's he, There's like a little of a Brooklyn accent yeah, into it. Which, and I, I don't get that either. I, think I don't get that. Why are we going to, why are we going to like a Long Islander? <laughs> like, what are we doing? Well, because I, I I think because of the fact that, you know, in terms of what Miyamoto has said about uh, Mario, he is from, he's a New York plumber. Like, he's he has said that that is the canon. And that's kind of what brings to a point where I'm kind of surprised by how much Miyamoto and Nintendo are involved here. I knew they were involved, but they seem to be really working hand in hand. So that kind of puts me puts me at ease a little bit. Uh, I do like the, the 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 to go back to the to the accent. I do like the accent. I think that's the way that's the way I kind of envisioned it. Uh, he was never gonna be like yippee yahoo like because that's not, that would actually hurt the movie. It'd be a weird that, it'd be a weird you know, choice. Yeah, yeah. But so but I, I, but Pratt doing a fake New York accent to yeah, me is no, that's I goofy. Agree. I, I think that's. I think that he's only 10 words in, so we, I, I don't think we can completely say whether or not it's good or not, but I do have concern. That is my my, my main takeaway from it, where it's like, are they going to make him talk a lot? Or is he going to talk sparingly? There is an actor on the... Um in the in the call sheet, when you look at the who's playing uh, Foreman Spike is Sebastian Maniscalco, who's a uh, who's a comedian. Yeah, he's and really good. He would have been a perfect he would have been a perfect Mario because he's like super Italian, but Chicago <laughs> Italian. Oh my god, his Mario would have been like incredible. I but tweeted anyway, uh, I, I tweeted that Donkey would be a good one too. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna go with that vibe, I think that that's cool. I. I it's the star power behind Chris Pratt because Chris Pratt did, uh, you know, very famously do the Lego movie and, 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 you know, he's known in that world and, 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 and I guess people tend to like him for those kind of roles. So I, I'm going to hold reservation on him specifically, though he is my most thing that I'm most concerned about. Now I will say about the trailer specifically, I love this trailer. I am in the camp, not, not necessarily in the camp, but I can't believe this is real, but I'm definitely in, in the camp where I think I thought this trailer was so much better. I mean, I came into this thing waiting for this to be a complete and utter disaster. And the fact that it wasn't, it was hilarious with the penguins from Nintendo 64 and them just throwing those snowballs, yeah. little, little kind of comical effects like that. I think those are the biggest hurdles, the comedy and the voice acting. And so far, I think it's hit it out of the park in all of them, except maybe Mario because we didn't hear a lot. But um, I think also visually, I think this shit looks awesome. It looks really, really dope. I think Mario, like, they try to make him look like 5% more realistic, and that would make a lot of sense for what they're trying to do here. Um, Toad, uh, <laughs> it's a cracked out version Oof, of Toad. I, my God. <laughs> manic as fuck. I thought that was pretty he funny. Did a, he did a couple I'm, shrooms before Mario landed up in there. Yeah. I think that's kind of what they're saying because yeah. he goes, don't touch that one. And don't touch that <laughs> mushroom. And he's like, never mind. This was perfectly fine. I think that's kind of what they're implying. I guess. I have a theory, Marco. A tinfoil hat here. Um, looking at the cast, uh, the, the actor who played, um, I'm sorry, the voice actor, uh, who played, um, Mario, uh, his name is what? Charles, oh, fucking forget his name. Charles Marnette, Marnette. Sorry, guys. I, don't I, even I should know. know this, but he's the original act, voice actor of Mario, the guy who goes, yippee, yahoo, all that stuff. He's actually in the call sheet as a undisclosed um, voice actor. He, he's not, 
it, they're keeping his identity secret. Here's what I think, and here's kind of my um, my theory. My theory is that the Yippee Yahoo Mario exists in this world, and it's probably Mario's dad, but from the original Donkey Kong, you know, the Jumpman. Wow. And I think that's where they're going with this, and he'll he'll probably show up older, doing the whole Yippee Yahoo, and that's why Mario <laughs> looks slightly different. Uh, his clothing is slightly different, and his voice is obviously different. I think that's how they explain it away. Um, I, I think that's where they're going, uh, because it, it there was some hints with what Chris Pratt was saying about him loving the original Mario and all that stuff. Uh, and then obviously Donkey Kong, him not Donkey Kong being there, and that's not necessarily the Donkey Kong from the original Donkey Kong game. So there's a lot of stuff like going down. I wonder if if Miyamoto is going to take this opportunity to like kind of uh, reset the canon of Mario and kind of just f- for movie sake, you know. I, I feel that's what's going to happen. Also, the animation of Luigi that I saw there was awesome. Uh, Charlie Day voicing him kind of makes a lot of sense because he's like a nervous guy mm-hmm. and Luigi is also a nervous guy. Uh, so a lot of that stuff really worked for me. I'm curious to see more of it uh, April 7th. I'm going to be there day one, I think, unless more trailers come out and it's terrible. I'm kind of excited to kind of, you know, when my son gets a little older, show him the movie a little because I the movie I had growing up was that fucking live action John Leguizamo, <laughs> Bob Hoskins Hey, don't slander that movie. It, was, it had, <laughs> no. had charm to it. No, when I watched that movie the first time, I thought that movie was the best movie I've ever seen in my entire life. And then then seeing it as an adult, I'm like, man, this is really fucked. But anyway, I ultimately I think that this trailer did a lot more good than bad. It it kind of put me at ease because I thought they were gonna I thought they were gonna go crazy. Yeah, the the jury's still out in my opinion for for Chris Pratt and Mario. Uh, But we will see. We will definitely see. down the line, they, they said they're showing more before the year is out. So if anything is worth talking, we'll definitely talk about it right on here. All is right. there anything else you want to cover about it? No, no, not really. Not really. I think we're good to move on. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to the next portion of our show, which is the news portion of our show. That's the hit points. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for hit points. All right, Marco, we got four news stories here, all ranging from a whole bunch of different uh, stuff here. I'm gonna go ahead and kick it off with the first. I think the the most the meteor of them in terms of stuff that was announced here. Okay, and that's CD Projekt. Uh, they announced several new games as part of their long term roadmap uh, for the Witcher series. They announced a new mainline trilogy and two other separate projects for for Cyberpunk. A sequel codenamed Orion was confirmed. They also announced a brand new IP codenamed Hadar or Hadar. Uh, which will be their third franchise. And lastly, it was revealed that every new game will feature multiplayer modes. What's our takeaways about their roadmap, Marco? What do you think uh, with everything they announced? How do you feel about it? Boy, they got plans, huh? They got a lot of plans. They sure got plans. That's a, that's a hell of a roadmap. It's uh, it's exciting to see it. I mean, it checks all the boxes of for what would sure. make me happy. A new Witcher trilogy, two other projects for The Witcher, uh, confirming that Cyberpunk is going to live on and not just, you know, run and bury their heads in the sand with that IP. That's all really good news. Here's the thing. Oh, and the new IP. I'm glad that they're just that they're branching away from just Witcher and Cyberpunk. Here's the thing, though, y'all. I'm not. I hate it. I want more Witcher. <laughs> thing is, though, how in the hell are they about to pull all this off? I'm glad you said it. I, I was scared. I thought you were going to come in here and just be like, we're the best ever. I'm like, ha, go ahead. I don't know. I mean, hey, look, again, on paper, amazing. Great to hear. Amazing. But you got to execute, though. 
And how are you going to do that? All right. Like what, what, like how long of a long-term roadmap is this really? Like, is this, I've heard people say, oh, it's a six year roadmap. Well, that's not happening. Is it a 10 year roadmap, 15 year roadmap? Like what, what, how are all these going to work? I mean, I'm sure that CD Projekt's manpower is, is, is pretty good to be able to make some assurances that they can meet some of these deliverables. The problem is, can you not just do it on time, but can you do it in a quality way? Now, I don't want to hold Cyberpunk over their head like a lot of other, you know, people do. They had a it, it's, it's a terrible blunder. It deserve they deserve the backlash. We've covered that many times on this show, but it's not like they've done it every single time, you know. So I'm I'm willing to move on and focus on the future, but in doing so, I want to make sure they don't repeat history and overpromise and then underdeliver and end up, you know rushing games out of the door because they have to meet the deliverables of this long-term roadmap that they promised, right? So I think the concern is, do you have the manpower to fulfill these deliverables? Do you ha- Are you giving yourself enough time to really get this um, right from a QA, QC standpoint, right? And thirdly, um, is this new, how big of a, of a thing is this new IP going to be? Are we talking about another open world RPG? Is this something smaller? Like, we don't even know what to, you know, fully make of this new IP yet. So it, it's, I'm guessing it's a pretty big investment. What I'm curious to know about, though, is if they um, are creating a, a true original IP themselves, or if they're going to go out and get another license. Um, I don't know if they, they talked said, about that or not, but I, in I'm, the wording they said a completely new kind of in-house IP is, okay. is kind of the way that that they that okay. they said. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, then that yeah. Okay. So then I guess that gives them a little bit more luxury to do what they want to do and not have to live up to the standards yeah. set by uh, established franchise like The Witcher or Cyberpunk. So I think that could work for their favor. And also gives them. I'm interested to see with everything they learned with Cyberpunk and, and Witcher how they they come about and make their own kind of IP. I'm interested to see right, where yeah, the creative me too. definitely. Yeah, creative yeah. goes to. Hey, listen, I agree with everything you said. Um I I, I do wanna say, and I think people do forget about this, is when Witcher three did launch, it did launch with a lot of bugs, uh and combat bugs, a lot of stuff with Roach. It was almost sometimes un, un, he was unwritable at times. So the company does have history with kind of of bugs and stuff like that. However, I will say they did announce fully that all their games in the future will be on Unreal 5, not that Red Engine anymore. Good. So I wonder if that's part of the problem, uh, which is now being uh, fixed and rectified. I, one of the things that was cleared up was there was a, a thing out about it having a six-year dev cycle. And that's true, except it's only true once Polaris comes out, which is the first Witcher sequel. They said they're making three Witcher games after the first, so basically making two in six years. So basically three years for each uh, game. That is concerning, yes. just a little bit, uh, because they did take about four or five years between games to, to release, and unfortunately, we saw how Cyberpunk turned out. We saw some of the bugs with Witcher 3. Yep. Unless, they, unless they're confident with Unreal 5, which a lot of people seem to be confident, in Unreal 5 and, and, and how you uh, the tools in its place to, to develop games that is concerning because they'll release Witcher 4 and then 5 and 6 will come in between 6 years which is man that's fast really if you think about it now yeah. um, I got I, I wrote something on Twitter about it being a little bit surprising and somebody responded well think of it as hit like Hitman and how they haven't established no this is their open world massive RPGs they're not just dropping a new level and then using the same assets even if they are using the same assets I 
are we going to see three games, Witcher games, in the same place within the, in, in six years? You know, that would be a little bit kind of like, yeah, that, 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 that would feel weird. That wouldn't feel I would agree. Like, yeah, like, that'd be weird. Yeah. Then again, Yakuza does it year in and year out, and, and we're and we're okay with it. Like we know exactly what shit is in Yakuza four and Yakuza six. When it, when, <laughs> yeah, Kamurocho. So, I, I know that place like blindfolded now. Yeah, yeah, like I'm playing that game sometimes, like the sequel to the game, and I'm like, oh, this is the alleyway that I took in part three of the game five years ago. But you know, <laughs> yeah. um, the the but unless they add new places, and that's probably what's gonna happen. New areas go back to the original spots. But anyway, I'm interested to see how that is. Um, as for the cyberpunk sequel, I'm glad that's uh, that's happening. Um, Definitely. I do think, I, I will say, I think that they kind of, they did too much. They said too much. They promised too much. It's, uh, when are we going to see all these games? Like, we're going to have to be reminded of their road, roadmap by the time we see all these things again. Because it, it just, it just feels like them kind of riding the momentum of cyberpunk kind of having its resurgence and them being back when it comes to uh, their, uh, you know, in terms of how they're, they're being perceived. So I just feel like they're riding that wave and they're like, thanks for liking us again. And guess what? We got more Witcher. We got more Cyberpunk. We got a <laughs> well, new game. It, I get that, but they're also yeah. speaking to investors too. It's not just for right. fans. No, and, and, and I get that. But I also, I mean, I'm not a businessman, but I would also kind of want to hedge my, my, my bets a little bit when it comes to talking to investors about, all the things I have coming in the next 50 years. Mm -hmm. But I digress. I On paper, this is absolutely incredible. If they're able to, to, to release Witcher sequels within six years of each other, or six years with two games, and Cyberpunk and, and the new IP all within the next 10, 15 years, that's a great. That's a, that's that's great. You know, I, I don't think this needs to happen in the next two two weeks. Like, mm -hmm. We didn't see the fruits of this labor anytime soon. But, you know, we do have a roadmap in place. And we will see what that kind of um, entails down the road. Yeah. Uh, when I have like seven kids and Marco is uh, living in Mars. So that's going to be fantastic. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm going to jump in with the next one. Next yeah, go ahead and jump in. All right. So uh, up next, we have a news item about Halo. So 343 Industries, Pablo, is ditching Halo's proprietary slip space engine for Unreal which comes shortly after the lead designer of the Slipspace engine departed the studio. Now, it's believed that Project Tatanka, which is the long-rumored Halo Royale title, has been converted to Unreal Engine already. But here's where things get interesting. Now, many people, Pablo, are speculating if 343's decision to abandon the Slipspace engine means they're also abandoning Halo Infinite's 10-year plan to basically move on and make a new mainline Halo built in Unreal. After all, the Slipspace engine has been considered to be extremely difficult to work with, according to various insiders. So, it is possible that supporting Halo Infinite for 10 years with this kind of engine just isn't sustainable. So that said, Pablo, the question is, what do we think 343 should do with Halo Infinite? Do they ride it out or do they roll out? Yeah, I mean, this game could have released and been a complete. It could have been an amazing uh, success. I think ten years is too long anyway. I, I think the ten-year plan stuff was ridiculous uh, to begin with because so many things change. Yeah, even uh, Fortnite is industry. a question mark about ten years. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like that. Regardless of the success of of uh, of Halo, because look, we've seen things turn around. Next year, we can we talk about Halo Infinite as 
one of the best multiplayer games on the planet again you know we could be doing that or maybe not but it doesn't matter i think 10 years was always way too lofty of a goal um i don't think that they're gonna drop any kind of uh or, or gonna abandon the game until the next one is out um but i i'm curious to see what what all this is there's also rumors uh indicating that tatanka is much more than just an expansion that people are thinking that it's probably like a a a side game uh almost uh to halo infinite uh which would be interesting if that comes out and it you know it has maybe a single player element and then that, that battle royale thing that they talk about i wonder if that's the case because it's been it's been a development for way longer than any expansion should be um but ultimately yeah i i think that I think that 343 shouldn't look at at Halo Infinite as a failure if they um, don't reach those 10 years. That's ridiculous to begin with. You know, the game will fail for other reasons, and it's not because of your 10-year roadmap that you didn't get there. It's because of other things that you didn't do. So I, I would say absolutely. Work on Unreal. Work with Unreal 5. Make it work. Make it still feel like Halo. You know, I'm sure that's its own kind of degree of challenge there. And then, you know, once that's ready to go, let's set you know let's 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 sunset uh infinite it is what it is at this point so um i don't think this is that big of a deal i think there's also speculation will infinite be replaced with unreal 5 version of you just can't copy that's ridiculous yeah there's no way yeah that's not gonna work yeah yeah i mean i think um if i were to predict what's going to happen i think that halo infinite will be unofficially sunsetted by the end of 2024 i think they will spend the next few years making good on any outstanding deliverables they have and promises that they still have to fulfill. But what will basically happen is Project Tatanka will serve as the bridge to the next mainline Halo. I think it'll be a separate product um, Hmm. away from Halo Infinite. um, And that will be the bridge that gaps the two releases. I, I just don't see... 10 years being sustainable with slip space engine. Absolutely I think yeah. that the, they've, they're hitting their heads against the wall unnecessarily. Besides all that, you also have the stigma of the name halo infinite that you got to shake off, you know, and, and you need to get away from that at, at, at a certain point, 10 years of that stigmas is that's an almost unfathomable, um, alongside just the way the ebb and flow of the industry moves, um, that you got to get away from that. Hey, so bro, Microsoft got to hire you, bro. I hope so. Hey, look, Phil. Phil. Hey, listen, Philip. I, I would think. Phil. I think that's awesome. <laughs> Phil, listen, listen. Mario got a good idea. If you think about this, surplant Infinite with Tatanka, even if it's the same multiplayer aspect, you know, with an Unreal, even if it's kind of the same thing, you're kind of rebranding without telling people exactly. you're rebranding. And it's a, and you know people out there, man, the placebo effect. Oh, it is much better now. Yes. And it could be the same exact goddamn game with better kind of you know quality of life stuff obviously and that's a good way to kind of you know set people at ease and then release the next uh, mainline halo game and then you kind of wash that stink off of uh, of infinite by the time that comes around that's a good idea I-, I hope that people are listening and they and they take that into consideration because that's that would be if, if they can't get their shit together within a year and i would say even less yeah because, exactly I mean, then this is what has to happen um yeah but yeah that's where I'm at. I mean, again, yeah, like you said, if they can't get it right by maybe, you know, at some point next year, 
there's no reason to keep you know dragging this carcass through every yeah. uh, for, for, for the next decade that <laughs> that's just that's uh, that's yeah. insane to me so shake that's the crazy. stigma off get a clean slate you got a brand new team you know you got restructuring done there's no reason to hold on to this it's not sacred to anybody it's not like you're 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 gonna tick off like millions of people that are playing halo infinite right now like no one's playing that game or har- hardly anybody not i don't really. want to say no one but yeah you know, so it, it's time, and I think this would be a great segue through Project Tatanka to not only shake that stigma, but also keep Halo relevant while you're working on the next game, and then right. and then you drop the bomb on people with a really yeah. Halo Halo, you know, and then you can kind of course correct. A Halo from there. as Halo, yeah. So that's where I'm so, at. Yeah, yeah. Listen, Marco, Microsoft isn't the only company doing some wild shit. Mm. Um, the next two stories here um, are dedicated to. Uh, with love to, to Sony, uh, some stuff that Sony's doing that we have some questions about. According to multiple insiders, a PS5 version of 2017's Horizon Zero Dawn is currently in development. Sources have not confirmed whether it will be a remake or a remaster, but for now, we only know that the game will feature improved lighting, textures, animations, accessibility options, and character models to uh, to match Horizon uh, Forbidden West. We also found out that a new Horizon online multiplayer game is coming to PS5 and PC. So the question here is, is the remake a sign that Sony is becoming creatively bankrupt? Marco, what do you think? Oh, boy. Um, I got to say, I was pretty surprised about this announcement. Um because I think what's going on here is that Sony is confusing the Last of Us remake as something that they can kind of copy and paste for the rest of their franchises as a sustainable remake model. And I don't think that they apply. Horizon Zero Dawn was a five-year-old game. <laughs> you know, it's not like The Last yeah. of Us, which was, you know, it was also obviously hotly contested but it was a ps3 game first so there was a lot more of a you know of of remake work to do to get it up to par horizon zero dawn quick, just got a 60 fps to cut you off real quick yeah to cut you off real quick then the people saying well then uh the last of us got a remaster yeah the very next year like relax right. it wasn't like you it know was what like it, many years later I, I thought about this when we were done talking about it in the, uh, that episode it's almost like what breath of the wild is for the wii u version and then the yeah. switch version you know what i mean it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well duh they made a not, switch version not the same thing here not the same right thing this here. is totally th- this is a five-year-old game with a 60 fps patch already that that came out right. it's unnecessary this this is unnecessary now to answer the question about creative bankruptcy do I think this is creatively bankrupt PlayStation? No. Do I think it's creatively lazy? Yes. And I think that's a big difference because PlayStation in the last five years alone has created, I believe, I counted 10 or 11 new franchises. That's not a creatively bankrupt company if you're able to do that, no. right? So I don't think that necessarily applies. But what I do think is happening, Pablo, is that PlayStation has become so risk-averse that they have become a very complacent brand with kind of milking bona fide successes. So in yeah. other words, because it worked for The Last of Us, let's try to make it work for Horizon, right? And 
Maybe in a few years when the next Ghost of Tsushima comes out, maybe we'll do uh, a version of Ghost of Tsushima for this or, you know, like uh, for PS5. You know what I mean? Like, I think they just have this copy and paste model to play it very safe and conservative while they take the most risks with their future um, live service titles. And I think that just makes them feel very stale and, and boring in some ways, but I don't think it makes them necessarily creatively bankrupt because they're still coming up with new things. Um, But I want to turn it over to you and get your thoughts. Yeah. They are lacking creatively when it comes to marketing, because this is the same thing that they are doing with the last of us, which is a remake for the show that's coming. There's a show, there's, there's a, a show, um, a a horizon forbidden or zero dawn. Whatever it's going to be called. Yeah. Yeah, currently in development. It's it, it's actually a horizon. It's it's called Horizon twenty seventy eight or something like that. It's it's taking place before everything happens in Horizon, uh, so it's mm. kind of like a prequel to the games. So it, it, it they are kind of just hitting the repeat button when it comes to hey, let's make a remake of a game. So when the show comes out, people go and buy it and they buy this. Hopefully not, but most likely the seventy dollar <laughs> version yeah. of the game, and we can double dip. Um, yeah, I, when it comes to, to, to the existence of this, I'm with you. I, I have, I, I've written a few things down here and it's exactly what you said. I said, okay, what is this going to benefit from? The PS4 era game that currently takes advantage of PS5 hardware, 60 frames, checkerboarding 4K resolution. I mean, unless you go native 4K, wow, who cares? You know, at, at that point, you're, you're really, you're really just, the marketing is written all over. Like you're not really trying to hide it anymore. You know, I think that the last of us was a, was like, it, it was, it was a, it was a perfect moment because it was a game that was almost a decade old. Plus they have a show coming out. Right. It was like it, it, the married situations that were perfectly married together. So that made sense. You can't do that with everything here because you got ghost of Tsushima movie coming out in a couple of years. You're going to remake ghost of Tsushima too. You <laughs> That's know what like, I'm saying? Like, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. What, what are you going to do? I mean, it, it's, it's, it's insanity to me to think that they would do this and they haven't said what they'll charge, but I mean, the fact that they're putting man hours into this and the fact that we have an example of it already, I would not be surprised. This is sixty nine ninety nine, and yeah. um, it, it, that would be completely wild. But again, Sony is constantly and consistently doing this. Once they're in the lead or they're market leader or they become the tastemakers of the industry, they pretty much say fuck off to everybody else and they kind of just delve into their own and they get into, they get into their own way by... There's an example of that, which is the next story we have coming up here. Marco, why don't you tell us exactly what Sony is doing? Yeah, so um, their new PlayStation Stars reward program came out, uh, and it's under fire uh, regarding a highly controversial uh, perk, air quotes, uh, for customer service uh, in uh, certain markets. So basically becoming a level four user in PlayStation Stars, which requires you, mind you, to buy four full-priced games and unlock 128 rare trophies. Uh, gr- that grants you priority over other customers when contacting PlayStation support. So this essentially means, Pablo, that quality customer support is paywalled. Uh, so, Whew. yeah, Jim, Jimmy, Jim Ryan, uh, can you come to the front of the class? Like, what, who, <laughs> sir, <laughs> sir, what is, Pablo, what's going on here? What is this? Yeah, you know, look, we live in North America, and so Jim Ryan is 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 the guy we're gonna go after. But this is so Japanese uh, in terms of how they practices and stuff like that. But it is what it is. I I think that again, what I mentioned before when I segued into the story, Sony is 
when it comes to these kind of customer service things, if they're in the lead, boy, good luck because they don't give a shit. And when they're behind, they do everything they possibly can to kind of be like, you know, you guys are our friends and we love our our, our fans. But when, when when they got when they got that lead, they just pretty much are gonna be like, okay, what's the most amount of money we can make today? And that's basically what this feels like. It just feels like you know you're 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 making. You're giving people the ability to get the best customer service possible if you buy some shit from them and you play that shit. Uh, it is it is gross. It is incredibly uh, it's incredibly like short sighted and and I don't even think they understand because customer service to North America, the American, the West is super important. Right. It is it is like it is it is if you have a company and you have terrible customer service, you're 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 in for you're sentence. in for some trouble yeah. because. It doesn't matter how great your product is if you can't talk to a human or if you do and your interaction is less, you know, far better than what it should be. There are problems, you know, uh, and, and I guess in Japanese culture, that's less so. That's not really exactly like their main focus when it comes to that kind of stuff um, as as evidenced by Nintendo's customer service and and, and, and Sony's past uh, struggles with that as well. But I, I it, it's just... It, Something has to be done when it comes to these kind of things. Sony has probably the best uh, IP. Sony probably has uh, a, a a a system that's gonna outsell any other system, uh, maybe besides Nintendo, but it'll come close to outselling any other system. Sony has the 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 juice uh, mm. to use uh, a, a current meme about corn, but except for <laughs> PlayStation, uh, oh, no. it has ev- it has all the pieces in place to just dominate and never look back, but. But then they, they they trip over their own feet when it comes to these things that they should this should this should be par for the course. This should be easy. This should be the easy part, and they still drop the ball. It, it's so crazy to me. I I don't get it. Yeah, this is this is almost more egregious to me than their their software philosophies because yeah, this is the basics. This is the most basic of the basics. This is unacceptable. It's an unacceptable display of anti-consumer pro-payer favoritism. Yeah. Um. Timely and, and high quality customer service should be a given, not a paywall. It is, it is not the player's responsibility to earn good customer service through money and accomplishments. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's insane. So I think this is something that they absolutely have to walk back. Like there is no, there is no world that exists where the future of PlayStation customer service hinges on how much you spend on them or how much you take the time to care about trophies. That's crazy. I don't care about trophies, but if you're telling no. me that trophies is is the one way or one of two ways that I can get the best customer service possible, then it, it, it doesn't necessarily force me to pursue them, but it makes them a priority when that's not how I want to play my video games. So this is almost right. in a roundabout way. It's infiltrating the 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 way that some people might have to play their games and and that shouldn't even be a thing <laughs> you know it so much of this goes without saying and i think that's what's exhausting about these playstation topics lately because it's 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 like we have to state the obvious about playstation doing right. the things that they're and, doing and that's the problem this had to state the obvious of what should just be it shouldn't even be this shouldn't even be a news story like the fact that no. they sat there and be like oh uh also, let's 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 give them great customer service if they buy our. Sh- it's so crazy. I don't like it, man. It, it, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't like it at all. I and I don't think they'll walk it back, man. I just don't. I, I don't. I don't. A matter of fact, I don't think a lot of people understand how 
horrible this is because it, it's it's picked up in some places, but not a lot of people are talking about it. Not as much as because th- this is crazy. This is legitimately crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're not going to care about it until it affects them. Until you have a customer right. care problem pop up and you need some support and they tell you, oh, sorry, your waiting time is going to be four hours and five minutes. You know, <laughs> and if you buy four yeah. games, you get in right away. You'll you'll care. Then you'll care. So I'm like one. I'm one trophy away from it. Come on, man. Sorry. <laughs> get that platinum, <laughs> ho. Yeah, I can't deal with but that. But hey. But my customer service issue is that that one trophy didn't pop. Sorry. Sorry, you're breaking up. (laughs) (laughs) I got a piece of paper. All right. So that's going to wrap up hit points. Next, we got Checkpoint Chat. That's our main event. We're going to talk about five video games or five video game things that should have worked. And that's coming to you right now. It's time for the Checkpoint Chat. Well, buried among the rubble of news... uh, we got something that came out uh, about a week ago, which we're a little late on. Uh, but Google has announced a very shocking closure. Just kidding. Uh, the thing that everybody saw coming <laughs> is they're shutting down um, Stadia. Stadia is going the bye bye when uh, January, uh, and uh, which is weird uh, when you think about what streaming is to video games now and what they had and how they could have pivoted to, to make this work. But they decided in a very Google fashion to be like, nah, fuck it. We're throwing this shit away, uh, which is basically <laughs> what they're doing. So that got us thinking, what five things should have worked but didn't based on litany of, 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 of whatever, which we'll cover here with each of our choices. So we got five each. We'll go round robin, Marco. Yeah, and this can, be, this and, can be games, ideas, hardware, right. yeah anything so it's video game related things yeah hardware like you said ideas games whatever it's it's my list i think skews heavy on games marco skews heavy on other stuff so yeah there's a there's a lot of stuff here um but these are just things that should have worked that that probably in a brainstorming uh meeting were surefire hits (laughs) uh and did not happen once they released so marco why don't you start us off with your number five yeah let's do it man this one's gonna be a little controversial but let me kind of land on this one uh because my number five thing that should have worked with video games is live service games um listen it's actually a great concept in principle because what it's essentially doing is it's extending the lifespan of the games we love. So if you think back on, you know, a, a really good Call of Duty that you liked, like Modern Warfare, the, the other Modern Warfare 2 or Black Ops 1 or whatever it is, you had a year to get the most juice out of that as possible before it's on to the next one. And, and then the whole community migrates to the new game. And then you're just kind of like, oh, man, that sucks. I really still kind of wanted to play that one. So in principle it's cool because okay you know if i can like if halo infinite was like really good for instance and i can play that for the next five six seven eight years that'd be kind of cool to you know keep that in my rotation or like what original overwatch was you know it's like oh man that's you know i'm glad i can always come back to that and there's always something cool to see so it's it's a good idea what 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 makes it not work is is sort of the obvious. It's been ruined by monetization schemes and inconsistent roadmaps. And then later on... The, by corporations. Yeah. God damn you. And then everybody trying to get a piece of the pie. So then you had oversaturation of every studio trying to make their own thing. And, it, and they all fall flat and bomb. And then, the, you know, we're, we're ending our service. We're sorry to all four of our fans for, you know, ending our service for Hyperscape. Yep. You know what I mean? So it, it just... It, 
it just kind of got to this very scummy business model, you know, when in, in actuality, live service games as a concept is pretty cool. Um, and I think the other reason why is because the gulf in quality now. Now you have, you know, the big three, Fortnite, Apex, and Warzone, and everything else. You know what I mean? It, it's hard to crack that top three and get a piece of the pie now. So you really have to be special. And so now it's become a, a very... Um, you know, those three games have kind of built a moat around the the market of live service games. And, and, it, and that's what makes, you know, a premise like Sony's business model for the future a little bit disconcerting because it's like, well, how successful are you trying to be? Like, what? how realistic are your expectations for these games, right? Because you're never going to get to Fortnite levels. You're never going to get to Call of Duty levels or Apex levels. So what are you trying to do here? Um, even a Destiny 2 kind of thing, you know? So I think it's 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 been a great idea that got warped and it's unfortunate, but that's kind of the reality yeah. we're in. Yeah, I agree. I mean, anytime a game is 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 shown and it looks really interesting and then it it, it hits you with the it's a live service game. No matter if you're a fan of Destiny 2, a fan of Fortnite, there's a groan Cringe, because yeah. you know exactly yep. that what what they're trying to do and it's probably not going to reach the levels in which you're wanting it to. So, yeah, I think that's an excellent thing because I think every game should be a live service game in terms of it ex- expanding the game itself in terms of the original idea, but it, it just became it became a live service games became a platform. Every live uh, service game kind of looks exactly like like Fortnite, like Rumbleverse and and games that should have probably been just like uh, the multiverse game should have probably just been a regular $60 release becomes a live service game. And then they kind of nickel and diming you for, for, for shit that should just be available right. to you yeah. in those kinds of games. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you for sure. That's a good one. My number five is a little something. Maybe you guys know about it called steam machines. <laughs> The success of Steam Deck kind of got me thinking about this because there's something to be said about relatively easy to use PC components. A plug and play PC that plugs into your TV and that acts as a console except for Steam games. I mean, the idea itself, when you think about it even now, is kind of like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. But the problem is, is what they did to kind of, I don't know, to, 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 to promote the, the Steam Deck. First of all, uh, they didn't want to come off of the uh, of the um, what's that called? The Linux OS. They didn't want to come off of that, and that had a lot of issues with compatibility. Also, they marketed this to a group of people who played primarily on PC. You don't you don't market pre-built PCs to a community that loves building their own shit. That is <laughs> insane to me. That, that it, and pricing was about five hundred dollars, which at the time was a little pricey, but I think worth it if it just did everything that it promised it was going to do, rather than than try to to be like the PC man's PC. Like it tried to it it, it, it tried to go into a market that didn't need this thing. It's just, it was a bizarre bizarre marketing it should have been marketed to console gamers exactly but i guess their minds their mindset was well they're already uh, they're already into their their ecosystem and that's true but you know there are a lot of players out there myself included that was really interested in a in a, in a steam machine when it first got announced because i didn't have a pc that could run steam games and there was so much games that are coming out of steam that i thought would be great and then everything happened that control was absolute insanity that asinine control <laughs> um uh form form it, it's ridiculous but as a as a base just as an idea this should have worked but they marketed to everybody 
who didn't need it, and then forced upon them an OS that they didn't use, and then, you know, uh, completely ignored the community in which would have ate this up. I mean, look at the Steam Deck. The Steam Deck, they've done a lot better job in terms of it being a thing for everybody, with different price points for people who want to get into uh, into it in different uh, levels. And and they're not marketing it just to PC players. They're marketing it, they're marketing it to gamers, period. And, and it's working out for them just fine. I don't see why the Steam Machine shouldn't have been as big as hit as a Steam Deck is, because it is ostensibly the same thing, except in-home, on your console, on your t- as a console, on your TV, that's a win right there. So, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, it didn't come. T- uh, uh, it didn't come to be. And uh, Valve, you know, Valve abandoned this shit f- so fast. <laughs> uh, so, but that, that I think that should have worked. That should have worked, but it did not. Yeah, it's what's uh, it's so fascinating. Real quick, like how marketing can play such a huge role in these things. You can have great. Yeah. You, what's under the hood can be great, but if you don't market it the right way to the right people, it can do you in, and that's a perfect example of that. So, yeah, it's it's a PSA. You know, if you're going to get into the hardware game, you better know who you're talking to. Uh, or yeah. else it's just going to fall flat and on deaf ears, and that's not what you want. So, and I, and, I, and I wonder if that's just Valve kind of being naive because that's the first kind of hardware that they actually sell. Yeah, maybe. You know? maybe. They're a video game development company who has a, has massive success with their Steam platform. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, with the Steam Deck now being what it is, I, I wonder if they were to do it again, if they would have, uh, they probably would have probably knocked it out of the park. Um, yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if down the road Steam Machines do come back in to, to a certain extent. So we shall see uh, what happens there. Marco. Let's move on to our number fours. What do you got? Let's do it. Uh, so my number four uh, thing that should have worked is the Nintendo Wii U. Now, Facts. this one's a tough sell, right? Because um, you can think about the hardware and go, Ugh, well, I don't see how that could have been successful based on the, the way that it was built and all that. But that's kind of the thing, right? My angle in this is that when you think about the meteoric pop culture phenomenon success of the Wii, and you are Nintendo, you decide in your room, okay, we're going to make the successor to the Wii, we're going to keep the Wii namesake, and build off of that, this should have been just as big of a success. The problem is in the hardware design, because they abandoned what made the Wii such a meteoric success in order to do what essentially turned out to be a beta test for what would become the Nintendo Switch. Um, in my personal opinion, I believe what what could have made this Wii U concept work is to keep the 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 basic hardware design as more of an upgrade to the actual Wii yeah. instead of going in this hugely different direction where you're, now you're trying to put a Fisher-Price-looking tablet in our hands and say, here you go. <laughs> That's not what made people fall in love with the Wii brand, the Wii, you know, the, the equity that you built and that mindshare. Um, you lost that because you created something that was nothing like its predecessor. So in a way, I think that their creativity and their hunger to keep uh, innovating got the best of them because I think that they did this at the wrong time. And this was the wrong hardware with the wrong name. So um, yeah. I think it was just from context concept of execution, the wrong move, but it could have been great if they had just yeah. followed what worked for them with the first Wii and they didn't. So that's why it's on and my list. Every console before that and every console pretty much since then, you know, um, I, I have something similar on my list that we'll get down to a little down the road. Uh, my, and that's a good choice. I, I had that in contention too, Wii U, but, um, oh, okay. but I, yeah, but number four for me is 
me and Marcos, we get so sad when we, when we when we talk about this game. That's Titanfall. Ugh. This should have been the biggest shooter since Call of Duty. It's fast-paced action, broken up by massive mech bottles. It, it's it, there has no comparison. It is equal to nobody in that sense. It's perfect combination of a shooter and its movement, and, and, and you know, uh, with Titanfall 2's, uh campaign being probably for me one of the best first-person shooter campaigns of all time, just being absolutely incredible in that way. This should have been massive. It should have been like competition. It should have been like the three Call of Duty, Battlefield, Titanfall. Right. Uh, I mean, that's kind of why they brought Vince Ampella over. However, why did this? Why did this fail? Well, EA, the fucking publisher. Look, Titanfall One was what it was, and it was very good. Titanfall Two was was incredible, and they decided to release it right before Battlefield One, and, or, or right after Battlefield One, and right before Call of Duty. <sighs> Like right in between those two things, when they could have released it probably that next year or earlier that year, and, and they decided to pretty much let this game go out to die. A fairly new IP that was going to find its footing with Titanfall 2 because Titanfall 2 to this day is absolutely fantastic. Yep. And yet they put it out to die. They 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 spread it so thin. EA did that to its own franchise. Like I I, I wonder what was going through EA's mind. I wonder if, if EA wanted a uh, respawn for something else and they didn't give a shit about Titanfall. That like they, they, they already cut their losses when it came to Titanfall and and, and they, maybe they thought that the market for that kind of shooter was already uh, already had too much of it with Battlefield and Call of Duty. Maybe there wasn't enough uh, for them. Whatever the case may be, EA as the publisher killed this game because it had nothing to do with how the game reviewed, which it reviewed well, but it just unfortunately, you know, when you have a game that it's that it's going to uh, it's going to live or die by the amount of people that are playing it, and then you take that away from them by releasing one of your biggest <laughs> multiplayer franchises in Battlefield, and then sandwiching that between the biggest multiplayer online game in Call of Duty. There was no way that they saw them thought this is going to be successful. <laughs> they they put this out to die, and that's why today we're. Fans are clamoring for Titanfall three, and there's a lot of people out there like, yeah, but that was like, the game was a failure, and a lot of people don't haven't played it, and that has to do with the fact that it was set out to die. But I am very confident, and I still think to this day that if given the opportunity, Titanfall could be one of the best multiplayer shooters of all time. And if they if they reiterate on what they did with the story for three, if there were errors of three, we're we're looking at incredible campaign, we're looking at incredible multiplayer suite. It is. It is the ultimate package of a video game, and they done fucked this up. <laughs> I don't understand how bad they, they dropped the ball in Titanfall. Some something in the brain, some one one of the brain cells. Um, but here's the other thing too: it's the success of Apex Legends now as well, because now that's right, based that's in right. the Titanfall yeah, yeah. universe, and now Apex is. Apex has the has the bigger brand equity now, and so oh, yeah. so anything you know in this universe is now the Apex universe, you know. So now but it's yeah, flipped, and that wasn't even like the plan because I remember Apex being announced and released the same day. Mm -hmm. Them trying to get out in front of the the whole kind of uh, battle royale uh, craze, and. It stuck. <laughs> Fuck, it stuck. It's like, <laughs> God damn it. And I love Apex. I think Apex is great and because because it plays so much like Titanfall, you know, in a lot of ways. That's why I love it so much. But man, if it didn't, if it just, be, <laughs> if it didn't stick, if it failed like all the other fucking battle royales out there, we probably would have been sitting here talking about our most anticipated game being Titanfall 4 yeah. uh, in a couple of years. But <sighs> hurts. Yeah. It hurts. It hurts so bad. 
Okay. All right. You got anything else to say? No, no. I'll go ahead and jump in next right. with my number three. Uh, my number three, Pablo, is the PlayStation Vita. Um, I really yeah. think that the PlayStation Vita was a great handheld device that uh, was a victim of its own timing. I believe that it arrived too soon. Um, it arrived at a time when the mobile gaming explosion was was really getting white hot. This was, you know, early 2010s. I think 2012, I think, is when it came out. Um, and although it really had, for, for its time, nice-looking games based on the hardware, um, I think the problem is that it just started to get a little lost in the shuffle with, okay, why would I buy that when I can just play something on my phone? Um, and I think... I think if you look at modern day gaming, um, we don't have that problem anymore. I think people have kind of right. course corrected back to saying, okay, I still believe in handheld gaming over just going and playing mobile games. Because I think, and it's a, it's a different can of worms, but I think mobile gaming is just as scuzzy as live service games are. Um, even worse in, in some capacity. Um, but I think now we're at a point between the Nintendo Switch and the Steam Deck uh, in this era where it feels like if PlayStation Vita would have come out now, it would have been a way more uh, attractive option, a way more viable option, because now PlayStation has, yeah. um, you know, current PlayStation would have the PC market, the home console market, and the handheld console market to play around in, and VR. Uh, so, you know, that would, that would have given them four avenues to, you know, for market share. Right, so I just think it's a shame because um, the hardware was was cool, um, and I thought that the you know the games that they put on there were actually surprisingly good. It's just a matter of of timing in a lot of cases, and this was just to me a victim of that, uh, despite the quality of the hardware. I love I love my PS Vita. I worked at a call center during the time, and I would have that sucker on there. I played so many games on my on the Vita and PSP as well. I mean, I, I remember playing ad hoc multiplayer yep. with coworkers, playing um, Liberty City Stories online, and just having a blast doing that on PSP and which you know and Vita too. So, uh, SOCOM on Vita. I mean, I mean, I mean, just what a great great little machine that unfortunately uh died too soon but that's because it did definitely it was definitely way too early yeah um my number three is a game talking about being early uh is advent rising i'm always gonna talk about the shit out of this game (laughs) because i love this game a year before mass effect took the video game world by storm advent rising was released now look at these similarities this was supposed to be a trilogy where all your choices translated over and this was uh xbox Uh, only by the way for consoles just yeah, for the record. that's right. Yeah, it, very similar political vibes. The whole humanity is a relative new species in this universe and not respected. Uh, its main protagonist, Gideon, had ve- very similar uh, biotic esque powers. Uh, the story was, in fact, mostly different, but it had a lot of similarities that really should have worked for the game itself. Sadly, Avenizen was a complete and utter buggy mess. Um, Majestico went under because they went too hard on this game. The game was going to sell gangbusters and they def- and ended up, you know, closing. Uh, and the series was never, um, never talked about or, or released ever again. But this should have, if Mass Effect was a hit, this should have been 
It should have been first. This has all those, it has all the trappings that we love about Mass Effect. It has this in spades. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, I think that the gameplay, and in fact, I I, I say this with confidence, the gameplay was so much better. You know, it it still had RPG elements, but it was very much a fast action pace game where you were doing, using your power shooting and it felt fantastic when it worked. Uh, But, you know, and going over to Mass Effect, a little bit more slow plotting, more RPG type of kind of combat there. But this game had it all, in my opinion. And it is a shame that not only did it was it a failure but nobody really talks about this game ever like i feel like i'm the only fucking guy that i know that (laughs) that that talks about this game and it is buried so hard and when you look at all the aspects of what this game was promised to be and what this game was going to be like it just it 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 dropped the ball matter of fact and i tried not to talk about this but the, the guy behind it who wrote it i think wrote ender's game as well like this is a very known sci-fi guy that decided to write a video game and man it had everything going for it absolutely everything going for it and unfortunately um it just it didn't do well at all yeah and it should have been a just as big as hit as mass effect in fact i think it would have ate his lunch if it did everything it promised Mm. uh because of the fact of 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 the gameplay version of it, I still think Mass Effect would have been fantastic. But I think that this would have been a one for one right next to it uh, in terms of when we think about space opera, video game RPG, you know, action adventure games. Th- this should have been a, 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 a it should have been a game that's uh, been talked about for a very long time. And oh my god, it came in like a like a like a noisy, nasty little fart, and it just <laughs> went away. <laughs> R.I.P. Abbey oh, Rising. I wish you. Uh, I wish you were to come back in one some capacity. I think this is like the ninth time you talked about that game on our podcast. <laughs> it, it will not be the last. Okay. It will not be the last. And any time that we talk about underrated, underdog, under anything, under yeah. the rock, under the sea, uh, I'll talk about <laughs> the Little sea? Mermaid and I'll talk about Abbey Rising. Yep, that's right. <laughs> under the sea, talk about Sebastian the Crab and Abbey Rising. Oh my God! Uh, right next. That's week. a fever dream. All right, right let's go on. We're, we got our top two here coming up. <laughs> Uh, number two, what do, what do you got, Marco? All right. So, um, again, let me land on this one, ladies and gents. But my number two thing that should have worked, uh, that flopped, is Konami. And I'm talking more about modern-day Konami. Um, to me, Konami had the talent, the franchises, and the success to be an all-time great company. But to me, in my opinion, they imploded and they got distracted by other money-making possibilities. Um, they, 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 yeah, they abandoned their greatest franchises, broke up with leads, and fell in love with Pachinko. I mean, we're talking about a company that has Bomberman, Bloody Roar, Castlevania, Contra, Gradius, Metal Gear, uh, Pro Evolution Soccer, Silent Hill, Suikoden, Frogger. They got Frogger, y'all. Frogger. Frogger. And they got Frogger. And they've done nothing with any of these franchises up until like just lately with like pawning their IP like Silent Hill to these like mediocre studios like the Bloober team and in just this very half-hearted comeback fashion. And and I think when I look at when I look at that stuff, I, I, I just think holistically about Konami that they have really um, shot themselves in the foot here. I mean, this is a company that had it all. And they could have been so prominent in this era of games, but they just decided to exit stage left, uh, make some pachinko, and and go make some money. And 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 I'm not saying that I'm not saying you you can't do that, but I'm saying that right. it shouldn't have necessarily come at the cost of 
letting all of your IP and letting all of your top talent um, just fall apart in front of you. And now, you know, now what do you do with these, with these IP? Um, now you just cash them in and give them to these mediocre studios. You know, like we've been waiting forever for a new Silent Hill. I'm not the happiest camper that you've hoarded out. And now there's three of them coming. And, you know, some of the studios don't even make great games. So it's like, this should have been better. It should have been, it should have never come to this point where they're pawning their IP off or just, you know, in, in love with Pachinko like this. So it's, it's, it's the epitome of a missed opportunity for a company with this much history, this much success. Absolutely. I mean, guys, Castlevania, we haven't had a new Castlevania game in how long? That's insane. Like, I get Metal Gear. It's a little touchy with Kojima out, and you know, but like Silent Hill has no. There's no excuse, especially with the renaissance of of survival horror in games. Like, it shouldn't have been just now that we're hearing rumors of a comeback, and it sure as hell shouldn't have been Bloober Team. I know I keep coming back to that, but it's just it's unfathomable what they've done with their their classics. And it, it just feels like a complete wasted opportunity and a disaster that I, I, there's no company that I hope gets bought out more than Konami in terms of the Japanese, you know, gaming scene. Yeah. I know a lot of people like, oh, I want Xbox to get Sega. I want Xbox to get Konami. I want somebody to come get this, these guys and save these IP because they're still worth something. But for now, they're just kind of dilly dallying. And it's just unfortunate to see that. Yeah, I yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, it's kind of crazy when you look at all like you said, all these franchises that they have under the belt and they're just dormant and not because they were failures, but because they just decide not to make those games. Anymore. Yeah, it's just a big nah. Uh, nah. Yeah. So. Well, my other my number two is a little game uh, called PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. Now, this game is an absolute failure of a game, uh, just to kind of put that out there. But this should have been, just like they intended it, Sony's uh, Super Smash Brothers. It, it just had all the makings uh, of that. Unfortunately, uh, they, they decided, well, I should say decided, but they are missing so many of the All-Stars. Like, where are the All-Stars at? And they have so <laughs> many weird choices like i'll give you a few uh cole mcgrath obviously should be there because he's part of you know all those the first party infamous right studios yep yeah infamous jack and daxter uh hold on i have to switch over because my thing died to this one no biggie all right so jack and daxter obviously dante obviously kratos you know, Nathan Drake, Parappa the Rapper, all those make perfect sense. But then you have uh, B- Big Daddy from Bioshock. Uh, that first game was an Xbox exclusive for many years, for a couple of years. So that's a weird inclusion there. Uh, you got Fat Princess. Uh, you got, um, uh, who do you got? You got Spike. I don't know who that is. Uh, Toro, Inuki. It's it just, it's it just a weird, a weird, um, a weird lineup for sure. Yeah, it, it just didn't make a lot of sense. Not a lot of cohesiveness. And then they decided to focus on the combat being very, uh, very strategic. Not strategic, but very like hard. It very you know when you play a Smash game, it, it's all the people you love from Nintendo franchises, and so it's everybody to be able to enjoy it. You know, 
big or small, young or old. There's levels to that game and the way it's built that anybody who has any kind of level could enjoy it at different kinds of levels. You can't do that at All-Stars Brawl. It is a fighter as fighter. It is technical as shit. If you go into that button mashing and there's a player who is technical and trying to go, you know, because they try to also make this kind of a competitive fighter, yeah. they... Uh, uh, they're, they're going to get their asses handed to them. It, it became very, very difficult to play this game as is uh, with even your friends. But come to that, where if you're going to play with somebody who's been playing just a little while, it, they're going to completely destroy you. Like, they decided to emulate the concept of Smash Brothers and then strip it of its personality in ways that are still confounding to me. Yes, I know that Spyro and, and um, Spyro the Dragon and Crash Bandicoot aren't in the game. Uh, because of licensing stuff, I understand that, but I, I it just it just it's 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 kind of crazy that this game exists the way it did, and it should have been an absolute hit because of just what Nintendo's done. And if you look at iconic Nintendo characters, there are definitely the same amount of iconic uh, PlayStation characters. The company that probably couldn't get away with this would be Xbox because yeah. the Master Chief, and that's about it, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, but. When you have PlayStation, they play have their 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 characters are just as big for some when you compare them to Nintendo. So this had all the makings of it being great, but the fact that it is a very technical fighter, missing fighters, it, it, in the inclusion of terrible fighters, no cohesiveness, nothing really to, to make it shine. Uh, it, they just dropped the ball from from rip. I mean, from the rip. Mm-hmm. This game come, came out, and I remember people being really excited about it, and you know, and it just not being that game at all. And it's unfortunate because it should have been a massive hit, and it just was not. Yeah, making these games is hard. Um, you know, that's why Sakurai gets the the respect that he does. It's because yeah. this takes work. You know, there's so much tuning and balance that goes into making every character, and then you have you know, just all the nuances that people don't even think about when they play these games that goes into this this process too. So it's it you know, it's it's not as simple as, well, we have a roster of, of iconic characters. Let's do that too. Like there's a lot of work that goes into that. And I think um you know, this game kind of got punched in the mouth because it was like a wake-up call. Like, we weren't ready for this. And so, yeah, I mean, I think um, it's it's a shame because I wanted to see them take another stab at it. But, again, if you unless you got a guy like Sakurai calling the shots and making that happen, it ain't going to happen. Um, nope. It's just going to be a flop of a game that's either going to be too hard or too baby mode, uh, you know, or some, some weird gray area of the two. And it's yeah, just not it, good. And that's the genius of, uh, obviously, Smash Brothers. Not only the fact that they've implemented mm-hmm. all these characters and they kind of take everything from their franchises and put that into the game, but also the fact that you can be enjoyed on different levels. You know, you, I can right. play with my nephew and my nephew could understand the basics of it uh, in a way that can make him actually a little bit viable uh, when he pl- plays other players just because he understands the same basics of it. But when you get too technical when fighting, uh, it, it yeah. just becomes one of those things where it automatically becomes a sweaty-ass fighter. And it has like this whimsiness of all these, oh, I remember this guy. Oh, oh my God, yeah, I played him as a Nathan Drake. Oh, and it's like, and it just becomes like this sweaty ass fighter out of nowhere that it's completely unfair to, and, and unfun to play in many ways. So, yeah. yeah. So now we're, we're at our number one here. Marco, what is your number one thing that should have been great or should have worked and did not? Mm. Or has not? Man, I wish this was a tough decision, but this one was actually uh, the very first thing that came to my mind when I thought about this topic. And that is VR. Um, I think it's awesome that technic that that I guess that technology finally caught up with the dream of making VR gaming a reality. Um, but as awesome as that is, the problem is that 
poor developer support, price point, and oversaturation of lackluster tech demo-like games are really holding VR back in a big way. And so what VR has become, essentially, is sort of a vanity item. It's not essential. It doesn't. It never feels essential to be in the world of VR gaming. And that's not to say that there haven't been good VR games. People are going to yell at, at us, uh, Resident Evil uh, you know, 7 and, and Half-Life Alex. Yeah, but guys, I mean, you could probably think of about four or five games that have been okay for, for VR, but that's the problem. You can probably only think of a four or five game list of games that have been good for VR. Um, yep. You know, a lot of games got converted to VR like Skyrim and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, this looks silly. Um, yeah, I think the other problem that VR has is that it does not do very well in trailer form. Um, trailers in VR are not good because half the time you see these like these these like unattached arms in the trailer doing things that you that you would be doing yourself in the game which looks really wonky in a trailer and then they also have that like stock actor in there that's wearing the VR headset that's like <laughs> okay on the count of 3 look like you are in perpetual wonder and like looking around at the sky oh my god like so the the trailers for VR are always hokey and they don't perfectly represent the experience that you can get which i don't deny can be fun but it's just not enough to market VR the right way. And the other issue is, and this to an extent can't be helped, but people get sick from VR. You know, like it's not it's not something that people can physically handle doing um, or either that or like my living space is not big enough to, you know, be able to do some of the things that this game is asking me to do without running into my sofa or knocking over my, my four year old. You know what I mean? So <laughs> at a certain point, it just becomes so much. Should have been in the way. Yeah. Put them up for adoption. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, it just becomes so much of, of a caveat ridden experience that after a while, when you look at, okay, there's not a lot of games being made, it's too expensive. Um, now with PSVR 2, it's not even backwards compatible. So now I got to rebuy stuff again. Like, it's just a litany of inconveniences to have that, that dream Ready Player One moment that we all want. And, and it just isn't worthwhile so far. Again, I'm not saying that there haven't been bright spots, and I'm not saying that the future is, is necessarily bleak, but there's no denying, in my opinion, that by now, this should have been a bigger deal than what it is. And I don't think it's the gamer's fault. Um, I think it's the fault of the industry, and um, especially in the early goings, with so many people trying to get a piece of the pie. Oculus wanted in, and then this this company made it. I don't know if it was LG or Samsung or one of them. We're going to make a, a headset, and uh, Google was talking about making another thing they're going to get rid of. Uh, you know, it just became <laughs> this like everybody wants in just because they, they want to get there first, and no one yeah. really had a game plan on how to make VR viable for a core gaming experience. And, and until that gets resolved, this is always going to be a missed yeah, opportunity. But I, don't, so. I don't think it ever will be because VR also has to contend with the expectations that have been put onto people from films from as early as the 80s, 90s, just the, the, the lawnmower man and, and all these, these things where it's like you put on the helmet and, and you're in. Like 
you're living in a whole different world and that's just not how VR works and that's not how it's ever going to work and so it's that expectation of VR versus the reality of it it's like the first flying car that we ever get if we get one isn't going to be what people <laughs> think it is you know what I mean it isn't going to be like a, a civic sedan flying in the sky it's probably going to be something weird looking so it's it, those expectations will probably never hit and, and the fact that um, a lot of the companies when they when they kind of promoted this VR stuff they promoted it as that expectation as that thing that you saw in Tron or something like that and that's just not what that is and uh, if it ever becomes that it'll be many 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 years away and it'll have to be something where they have to like subdue you put you under an anesthetic uh, coma so you can enjoy your, your world not through VR coma. chips uh, but uh, that's just kind of the way that I think that would work uh, but that's a good choice I, I do think if you look at it from the outside looking in uh, us as kids VR is the future we believe it absolutely hands down and we would think we're playing video games like whoa in the year 2000 right. you know <laughs> uh, but uh my number one uh is the sega saturn uh i think mm. about nes to the snes and i think about how that was just an incredible success and the sega saturn uh was giving it to nintendo for a long time for a long chunk a chunk of time where they were one and one for many of um, many times, and with the Sega Saturn should have been the thing that not only maybe puts them over, but keeps them at par. Look, the Sega Genesis uh, sold it shipped two thousand consoles on this, on day one that it came out in Japan. It beat the PlayStation One uh, when it went head to head in December. Uh, Sega Saturn ended up selling a million units to to to, to PlayStation's three hundred thousand uh, by the end of that year, uh, and it 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 had like it it was still crushing the PlayStation until it got to North America, and it, I don't know if people know the story. They go into E three. And they shock everybody by releasing 80,000 or 50,000 units just to Babbage's uh, Electronic Boutique today. And then the rest will be available six months from now. And then companies like Best Buy, Walmart, whoever sells them, they all got mad and decided not to carry the system. <laughs> and that fucked them. Because that, that console comes out and nobody's carrying it. Nobody has it. They've made so many consoles. They're unable to sell because they literally had nowhere to move it. Yeah, and, you don't and, piss and, off and, retailers like that. No, you can't do that. Yeah, and look. Maybe it didn't have the games, even though Virtual Fighter came out and it was a huge success. It maybe it didn't have the games to compete with the PlayStation One in the long run. But this shouldn't have this shouldn't have f- fell apart as fast as it did. Yeah. I, I think the Genesis should have been a a maybe a B or a C console when you compare it to the other systems that were out there. You know, like it, it should have not died the way it died. It should have been able to to then carry over to the that success of the Dreamcast, which by the way. Dreamcast dies because it comes out too late, but it also kills the the Saturn because everybody was talking about Dreamcast uh, like two years into the Saturn's release. Like it was just a very weird time, and, and Sega just didn't know what they had. Honestly, Sega just in terms of how they pushed the product, they didn't know what they were doing in North America. They just weren't. They just had no idea how to translate the success of the Genesis into into this into the Saturn, and they had that 32x, uh, yeah, which was supposed that. to advance the Genesis, and that was being sold almost at the same time as the Saturn was supposed to come out. So it was just uh, you're flooding the market with hardware and, and just stuff that really didn't work. 32x also, by the way, massive failure as well. So it, it just it, they were in the lead. A million to three hundred thousand copies. They were 
on their way to do their thing, and in their biggest market in North America, they completely shit the bed. It, it they, was it's but they snatched defeat from the jaws of success, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much. I mean, maybe PlayStation One probably would have gone on to, like I said, would have been the the the, the better console. Yeah, Absolutely. I think so. they had the yeah. games, but. Yeah. It Shadow should have still been vi- like today, like Xbox and PlayStation. PlayStation has the better games. It, it, it sells the most consoles. Yep. Sega, uh, the Xbox definitely has a place within the video game industry. It's, Sega should have still been making hardware until this day, I believe. Uh, maybe would have never seen Xbox. It, you know, it would have supplanted that, and maybe would have seen Genesis instead or Sega instead of Xbox coming out and trying to fill a hole that was left vacant by actually by Sega. So a lot of a lot of things happened, a lot of stuff to happen on the road. It all started with the Sega Saturn, which yeah. should have been easy. Should have been an easy slam dunk uh and it just <laughs> they dropped the ball so hard it, it's, yeah. it's it's kind of ridiculous uh, as yeah. to how bad it went yeah. i agree like i've always been you know i'm a little hard on dreamcast you know in, yeah. a, in a previous episode i i kind of went ham on dreamcast i don't go i don't go ham about saturn i, I think saturn was actually a really good console yeah. that had a lot of potential but like you said they just you know screwed things up like the, the games were really good Panzer Dragoon Saga Knights into Dreams right. Shining right. Force Police Knots from Hideo Kojima which I'm dying to play one day in my life um, which is so cool like you know Castlevania Symphony of the Night um, Sonic obviously I mean and Virtual Fighter was a and Virtual Fighter was a pack-in game. Which yeah, was Sega arcade. Rally, yeah. Shining. Oh my God, there were so many great games to play on that console, but like it, it was it's just and, a and litany the, of errors, man. And that just became the story with Sega up until the bitter end. So yeah, and the and the marketing too. They, they decided to be like, actually, we're going to market to mature audiences. It was like, guys, what are you guys doing? Like, mm-hmm. they almost threw all the, ki- the kids. Like, fuck them kids. It is a Jordan. <laughs> uh, fuck them kids. And we're going to go uh, and go after the the adults. But you, know, you can't do uh, that. This is a this is for, this is a hobby of ours. Is is a hobby that is uh, of course played by many many adults, but also if not more children and, mm-hmm. and you can't leave parents of, of gamer kids out in the cold here and be like, this is a console. If you're an adult and you like boobs or something like that, you know, that's kind of how, <laughs> how it felt. But yeah, man, that that's, that's our list here. Um, I'm going to run down my list uh, with number five, steam machine, number four, Titanfall three, Advent rising two PlayStation also battle Royale and number one, Sega Saturn of uh, five things that should have worked. Marco, what are yours? My five were live service games at number five. Number four was Nintendo Wii U. Number three was PlayStation Vita. Number two was Konami. And number one was VR. So, uh, there we hell go. of a list. It's a good list. Uh, all those things, should we should have been talking about all those things in a better light today. But sadly, not the case. Mm-mm. But that's going to wrap up this week's show. Until next time, don't forget to give a po- Sorry, I uh, was crying over Titanfall 2 just now um, <laughs> inside me, uh, inner monologuing and just crying. But uh, don't forget to give our podcast a sub if you enjoyed this. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at It's Cooldown Time so that we'll always be in your FOV. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Make me feel good.